What's up, beautiful people? My name is Jesse, and uh, a joy to be with, your, be with you here. I love our church. It is a joy for me to be one of the pastors for our church. And happy Father's Day, dads. I got four little kids myself, and so this is my day. <laughs> I'm going to just enjoy the honor and the, the, the celebration. Um, and for every dad out there, uh, what we do when we pour and invest in our kids, it matters. What you do matters. It is a calling from God, one of the most important ones. And so dads, I hope you feel honored and celebrated and filled up today because what we do matters. Uh, this last winter, I taught my two older boys how to snowboard. Now, I love snowboarding, but there's a lot of work that goes into snowboarding. I had to, we went on Craigslist and got them their own little snowboards and then got their snowboard gear and their helmets. We had to buy this, the pass and all those different things. Then we pack up the family in the car and we get up to the mountain up in Big Bear. And then, you know, they got to lace up their boots and all that stuff and get to the bottom of the chairlift. And we took a family picture. Check it out. Now, my boys, they look like they're snowboarders, right? They got it together. They're ready to conquer that mountain. See that? You got to love Cohen. It's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, and so we get on the chairlift, and we ride up to the top, and they strap in their bindings, their boot in their binding, and I'm like, all right, boys, ready, go. And they stand up, boom, and they fall down. And we quickly realize they don't know how to ride. They don't know how to snowboard. Right? They have all the gear and they look like they're snowboarders, but they don't know what they're doing. It takes work and energy and you got to fall down and get back up to be a real snowboarder. Now for you young people, you may not know what this is, but back in the 80s and the 90s, we called someone like this a poser. You ever heard that before? Poser. You got all the right gear and you talk the talk, but you don't really know how to ride. You don't know how to skateboard or ride your bike. Um, and... Uh, you know, when it comes to uh, following Jesus, to be authentic follower of Jesus Christ, we can look, want to look the part. We can come to church, we can have the right lingo, we can do all the right things in, in some ways, but for many of us, we struggle to actually be a faithful, authentic, real, wholehearted follower of Jesus. Uh, as a pastor, there's, there's certain things that grieve me and, and are, are a struggle for me. And if I can share one of them, and it's oftentimes I'll get a phone call from somebody and they're like, from our church, they're like, hey, can you fix this problem in my life? My marriage is like falling apart. I, I can't stop this behavior. I'm a, I feel like I'm addicted to this thing. Or, you know, I, I feel dry and distant from God. I, I feel all alone. Um, I've, I'm broke. I got no money. Can the church help me? You know, like, yeah, we have a benevolent fund for that, but you should have gone to Financial Peace University. <laughs> you know, it started saving your money, paying off your debt a little while ago. Um, and so I have compassion for people, absolutely, right? And I, and I meet with them, and I counsel them, and, and shepherd them, but I struggle internally. Because what I often notice is that they're not doing the simple actions, the simple steps of following Jesus that would keep them anchored to, to intimate relationship with God and would really protect their lives from so much of the heartache that they're experiencing. 17 years of, of full-time pastoral ministry, and I've noticed that most Christians that have been walking inside the church for a while, we know what to believe, but we often struggle to actually put it into practice. And this disconnect between our head and our actions, it can be a major problem. And so I, I listed some reasons why I think this disconnect can happen for us. So if you're not a Christian, 
and you're just checking things out, I'm so glad you're here. And you might, you're going to like this. I'm going to rail against some of the Christians for a little bit. Um, so reasons for this disconnect. Uh, we confuse knowledge with growth. We can believe that what God wants for us is we just have all the right answers. We know all the big ideas about God. But when it comes to my own lifestyle, that's mine. God doesn't really, that's not a part of God. Or we can, um, our actions, if we put actions into, G, into following Jesus, it can feel like conformity. I don't want to conform. You know, all the commands and the rules, I don't conform to nothing. We can see, um, we can view God as a consultant, like a business consultant that has a lot of good ideas. And whatever ideas fit into my life, I'm cool. I'll take those ones, Jesus. But all the other ones, you know, love you with all of my being, that doesn't really fit into my life. Um, or we can view God as like a waiter at a restaurant, right? That God is like a butler who's here to serve me. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness for me. Oh, that feels so good. God, you are, Jesus, you are here to affirm me and everything that I want to do in my life. The idea of laying down my life, carrying a cross, that Jesus is the Lord and the leader of my life, and my life comes under, to, under submission, under God. <laughs> you didn't really actually mean that, Jesus, right? For others, maybe you really would love to, but you've been in some in behavior patterns, stuck in those cycles that have caused you shame, and you feel alone in those things, and you really feel a sense of hopelessness. Man, it would be so amazing to be there in, in a, you know, mature in your relationship with Christ. Christ, but there's so much shame, you feel paralyzed to even know how to move forward. And again, some, you don't know anything about Jesus. And I'm so glad you're here, and I'm pumped to be able to welcome you into knowing more about how Jesus gives victory, real transformation in our lives. We're in a, a series called I Declare Wards. We get this concept from this pastor named Levi Lusco. And the concept is we all fight a war inside of our lives, don't we? We all battle something inside. And in this series, we want to get out of the way so that we can find victory and have victory in Jesus Christ. And so two weeks ago, Pastor Scott preached on declaring war against negative thoughts. What's going on in here? And then last week, Pastor Dan talked on declaring war on our words, negative words, because our words have power, right? And today... It's about declaring war on negative actions. For all of us today, I believe, and I, and I hope all of our hearts can be open to hearing the voice of God of a specific action and behavior that Jesus is going to say, let's, let's go to war against that thing. Because with you and me, we can declare victory in that area in your life. The good news, when you do declare war in those areas, and I'm going to share some of those areas in my own personal life, it opens up a whole new pathway for fresh hope and fresh life that comes in Christ. So let's get into a little theology, shall we? Uh, the Son of God had no beginning, always has existed for all of eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But at some point about 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit kind of put the Son of God, boom, into Mary. I don't know how that worked, but it was immaculate, and it was incarnation, and all these different crazy words that... The Son of God changed, wrap your mind around that, became fully man and fully God in that moment. 
fully man. And that person is the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Now, Jesus grew up and about 30 years of age, began, he went public. He did, declared his public offering, <laughs> IPO. Uh, and he began to, uh, that ministry, three and a half years, was recorded in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the Bible. By four followers of Jesus. And what they record is Jesus began to ask people to come follow after him. And quickly the word got out. And the crowd quickly got humongous. And this eclectic group of diverse people, everyday people, all kinds of different people are following him. And Jesus leads them up to a mountain. And on this mountain, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, three chapters of this sermon of Jesus' teaching of what it looks like to live a life that's full of life with Jesus. It's just, this is the lifestyle of someone that wants to follow God. Three chapters of it. Um, And I want you to picture being up on that mountain and Jesus' teaching. And one of the examples that Jesus teaches is... um, Everyone says, hey, hate your, you know, if you have an enemy, hate him. Hate your enemy, right? I saw it last, yesterday on the baseball field. I saw two, two little league coaches almost tear each other's heads off. I'm like, calm down, people. I had to break up the fight. Um, that's the way of the world. But Jesus says, if you want to transform this world, if you want to put my ways into action, don't hate your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for your enemies. And we're thinking... Jesus didn't actually mean that, right? That's a cool idea, Jesus, but you didn't actually mean for us to do that. And he's like, actually, actually I did. And at the end of this three-chapter sermon, Jesus closes with an illustration. And the illustration compares those that do it and those that don't do it. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, these are the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine And puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, right? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell down with a great crash. Oh, what a cute story, Jesus, about houses and, and storms and, and rocks and stuff. That's so cute. All right, Jesus, what else? What else you got for us? Something better, something a little more punch to it. And Jesus is like, do you have ears to hear? Do we have eyes to see what he is wanting to open up ourselves to, to understand. You see, according to Jesus, there's only two options. This is very simple. And it doesn't matter what you know about Jesus. Isn't that true in this? I mean, James, guy who wrote a book, the book of James, says that even demons believe the right information about God and are actively fighting against him. It doesn't matter if we have all the right answers. It, if you want to, there's a way of wisdom and there's a way of foolishness. The way of wisdom is to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into practice. And this is, no matter what happens in your life, you are secure. You are secure. 
The other way is you hear the words of Jesus and you're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Did you hear that sermon? It blew my mind. Jesus is amazing, isn't he? But I'm not going to actually do anything about it. Like, I'm not going to actually change anything in my life. That's like, Jesus doesn't really care about that, right? And that's the way of foolishness. And then we wonder when the storms of life come, why, why things just fall apart. You see, the storms are consistent no matter what you build on. The storms are going to come. But what have you built upon before that time? And let me make this clear. There's only one foundation. There's only one. It is the words of Jesus, the truth of Jesus in his way, and putting that into practice. That is the only firm foundation. Now, I love authors. I'm an avid reader about Christianity and leadership and all that stuff. I love um, school. Professors. I'm in school right now. I love uh, therapists. I don't actually love therapists. It's super hard for me to go. I've been a number of times, and it's super hard. But I love what they do. I love my, my family. Such an amazing support. I love my community of friends at Grace Church and beyond. Like, all of these things are so helpful. But none of, they're all a bunch of people. Right? None of them are the God-man. There is one God-man. His name is Jesus. And he is the only one that has the authority to say, build your life upon my word, and then you will have a firm foundation. Amen? So today, today, we are saying yes to declaring war on negative actions, and we are fighting for a better tomorrow. Now, if we want to declare war on negative actions, there's a few things that we need to get clear. The first thing, if you want to, in war, you need a plan of attack. You need a plan of attack. Jesus is the one that gives us our plan of attack. And so if you're not familiar with Jesus, what Jesus goes to war against, I encourage you, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It'll take you like a month maybe. It'll be totally worth it. And as you're reading through it, just ask the question, what did Jesus go to war against? What did he battle against? Let me give you a little insight. It's not against people. Now, if you're a religious hypocrite, Jesus has some harsh words to say to you. But, for, you know, but, but even them, even them, Jesus loves them and wants them to fall in love with him and to love other people as ourselves and wants, to re- wants every person to receive the gift of eternal life. God loves all people. He, what we will notice is Jesus is going to war against the sin that is in our own hearts because that sin is a barrier to full intimacy and affection and walking with God. Our sin is a barrier between our relationship with God and our calling and loving the people around us in this life. So that's enemy number one, our own brokenness. Enemy number two, there's a second one that you'll see Jesus going to battle against and that we need to also understand and go to battle against as well. The Bible clearly teaches that there, that there are satanic forces at play in this world. Now you may, may, may be sitting back thinking, Jesse, that's a little weird. I get it. It is a little weird to kind of think in that way. But it is true. The Bible declares from beginning to end that there are satanic forces in this world, from Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation. Now, um, you may not call it Satan, but we can all agree that there is a force out there that, wants, that is a battle, that battling against you. And Paul, who's one of the apostles in Ephesians chapter 6, he puts it this way. 
Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against the rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, this is one of many declarations that there are spiritual forces out there. Now, we don't want to over-spiritualize things. We don't want to give credit to Satan where it's not due. Don't see Satan behind every bush and behind every doorway. You know, if you don't get a parking spot, don't blame it on, the, on Satan. There's no demon attacking you. If you're in debt and ready to go bankrupt, you just need to start saving money and pay off your debt. Um, that's not Satan coming after you. I mean, but at the same time, we need to be very aware and recognize that there are spiritual forces of darkness at play in this world. Satan's main strategy is lies. He's a deceiver. There's three times Satan speaks in Scripture. The first one is to Eve. He lies to her. Second one is in Job. And the third one, Satan lies to Jesus in the desert. All, you see, Satan doesn't make you do anything. He doesn't force you to do anything. He will present you with false ideas about God and then simply just say, you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And then we give into it and we justify all these behaviors and beliefs that are actually in opposition to God. Our plan of attack is to declare war on the lives of Satan in our lives and in this world and in to embrace the way of Jesus. Amen? The plan of attack is to declare war on the lies of Satan and not to give in to them. This is a rock-solid foundation. The other one is, is fragile and shaky, and your life will fall down with a great crash. Now, let's be honest. Declaring war on negative actions can be very difficult. It is so easy to wave the white flag and just surrender and just to give back in. And, and you know, in some, sometimes Jesus gives quick victory. And sometimes it's just this long-term battle. And I've experienced both. In one area of my life, almost 20 years ago, when, I, when Jesus saved me, he saved me from substance abuse. And it was a very quick victory. Praise God. But in another area of my life, it's been this long-term battle since a child, since, I mean, a young age. And it's in the area of lust. And a few years into my marriage, about 12 years ago, my wife found things, inappropriate content on my computer. And I'll never forget the phone call that she called. And she's angry and just, you know, overwhelmed. And it was so painful. And I dr I'll never forget driving home and just broken and humiliated, right? I mean, that's what happens when, you, when private things get out. And I confessed, and I asked for forgiveness, and she will tell you. She's standing right there. I'm not looking at her. <laughs> she will tell you that God just got a hold of her life and helped her see that I am not my behavior, and she forgave me. And, and it was just an amazing point of, of reconciliation and forgiveness and all that stuff. But that was just really the beginning of something that needed to happen, a long-term process in my life. You see, the hidden actions... I came to realize, I had a moment of clarity, these hidden areas in my life will take all of the things away that God wants to do in my life, my calling, my family, it, it's going to take it all. That the private things don't stay private, they become, they affect all parts of our lives, they don't stay hidden. And so, and, and another thing I learned is that it's, it's not my wife's job to fix me, is it? 
It never works trying to fix your spouse. Don't try. Not going to work. It's, be, it's me and Jesus and the people of God that Jesus wants to include into that process. And so I declared war by God's grace on this negative behavior that was hidden in my life. And so I started Google searching. And I found uh, this group called Four Men Only. And I, it was at this small little church in Hillcrest, right by the DMV. And I went for two years, every single week. And I learned my triggers. And I learned, you know, the faster scale. And I learned, and I confessed all the time. And, like, had accountability partners. And you just, you just learn this new way of living life. And then after that, I went to a, a Christian therapist who specializes in integrity in this area. And he's right down the hill, right down at the bottom of uh, Texas Street in one of those offices, and I went for six months every week. It was awful. It was so good. <laughs> but, you know, those are, that is, let me look at my notes. Um, yes, I wanted to wave the white flag. In those two and a half years, it is so hard to keep showing up. So easy to ghost and to bail. But you, we never keep showing up. In war, you fight when you don't be like it. In war, you fight even when you don't feel like it. Now, in recovery, and I've been to all kinds of different recovery groups. In recovery, they teach you that you, you need a, a period of sobriety before the internal, deeper work can, can happen. You see, the problem is not our behaviors. The problem is not drinking. The problem is not viewing things. The, the problem is actually much deeper than that. It's really a weaker foundation. There's something beneath the surface. But we start with our behaviors. The group, these support groups, are there to help us change our behaviors before the retrofitting of what's going on beneath the surface can take place. Does that make sense? That we start doing the right action over and over and over again with consistency, and then the transformation begins to happen. Now, I guarantee you, you will feel like not showing up. But you just keep showing up consistently in spiritual formation, there's this concept. We go from doing to being. From doing to being. And the simple concept is that you keep doing the right actions and behaviors over and over again. And as time goes on, you're going to look back and be like, huh, I'm not trying as hard anymore. I've actually become somebody different. It's actually like in me. So say, for example, you're an angry person and you blow up, you know, erupt. And you're like, I, need, I want God to bring peace, become a peaceful person. You're going to work hard at it. You're going to read some books. You're going to talk to people. You're going to work it really hard at it. But eventually you're going to look back and be like, I'm not trying as hard anymore. <laughs> I'm actually much more peaceful in these different environments. Or maybe, maybe if you were really honest with somebody, you can share, you know what, I really hate myself. I really hate myself. God loves you. And what would it look like for you to say, you know what, I love myself. You may not believe it, you may not feel it, but it's true. And if you were to say, God, you love me, and I love me too, as much as you love me, not more, not less, but as much as you love me, I love myself. And you tell yourself that every day. It's like a spiritual discipline, and you just keep speaking that truth over your life. You will get to a point, I've seen this to be true, where you will be like, you know what? I, I love myself. God has done a work of transformation, even when it's hard, even when I don't believe it. God 
God believes it, and I speak it over my life. Um, this is not fake it till you make it. This is actual wisdom from God and research. Have you ever heard of cognitive behavioral therapy? It's a psychological kind of therapeutic method, CBT, that has helped uh, uh, many people with eating disorders and addiction, depression, and anxiety. And it's a simple concept that you replace false ideas and lies and false negative behaviors with true ones, with good ones. It's cognitive. It's what's going on in here. It's behavioral. It's your actions. And it's a therapeutic process that when you change your thinking, it changes what you believe in your actions. Now, when the Bible and psychology are saying the same thing, we should pay attention to that, right? And put it into practice. When you, we are going to war and saying we're going to do the right thing even when we don't feel like it. Others around you will weigh the white flag. It's going to happen. I see it all the time. People kind of go back to their old ways. But today, by God's grace and with the Spirit of God alive in us, we can say, God, I'm declaring war against this thing. And I'm going to keep showing up even when I don't feel like it. An example of this kind of support that we need in our lives is this example of the Coronado Bridge. Picture the bridge for me. It looks strong, huh? Up until about a year ago, that thing was actually weak and vulnerable. Did you know that? They, uh, if an earthquake came, that thing could just fall right over. They spent $100 million to retrofit that bridge. And if you've been in San Diego for a while, you saw the scaffolding on that bridge like slowly move down like the bridge, right? And all these workers are working to retrofit that bridge. It took 17 years. Wow. They finished it last year. And now that bridge is like, bring it on. Earthquake, bring it on, storm. I ain't moving, right? It has this new strength because it had this, it went through the process of being retrofitted with scaffolding and workers. And in a similar way, we need scaffolding, outside support. We need people in our lives to help in the process for Jesus to bring a retrofitting of the foundation of our lives so that we can have a rock solid foundation. You and I do not have what it takes on our own for God to transform our lives. I've tried. I've really tried because I want, I'd, we would rather do it without other people, wouldn't we? But it doesn't work that way. In war, you fight alongside others. In war, you fight alongside others. I no longer go to four men only, but I have a number of different accountability groups in my life. Uh, one is a men's group that meets right here in the auditorium, right here in the front, Wednesday mornings, 6 a.m., every other week. It's been going for like seven, eight years. The other one is with the pastoral team. Because this is, you know, I wish it were different, but I'm going to need accountability for the rest of my life, right? We just need it. We need a safe space to open up and confess and to, and to receive not judgment, but man, thank you for sharing that. Let me give you, let me pray healing and freedom and deliverance over, over your life. That's the kind of place that, we, that I need. Because the issues in my life are never going to go away. Right? If it's not one thing, it's going to be another thing. There's always going to be something. Spaces where our weakness can be transformed in, with victory because of Jesus Christ. Now, praise God, we have an amazing church here where you don't have to do it alone. 
We have our own four men only group. You don't have to go look for one. Boom, right here. We got Celebrate Recovery for, you know, uh, for substance abuse. We have amazing women's groups and men's groups. We have uh, young professionals and college young adults and community groups. I mean, these are the, the places and the spaces in a community church where you get to have the support that you need, that I need, that we need. I'm not alone in this, I think. So which, which group do you need to join? What place needs to become your space? Now, in my men's group, we start with accountability, and we share, we, we share the things we want to stop doing, but we also share the things that we need to keep doing, right? Because both are important. It's not only like, I need to stop all my life or whatever. It's like, no, there's actually important things I need to get going with. In war, you need both a defensive and offensive strategy. So I learned early on, you know, 19, 20 years ago, as I was just beginning to take Jesus seriously, he said this little thing in Matthew 28. He said, go make disciples of all nations. He didn't mean that, Jesus, right? That's a cool idea, and I see you doing it, but you don't actually want me to do that. That's like optional. It's like, no, I actually want you to do that. <laughs> like this is like Jesus 101, basic level, be a disciple and make a disciple. Get some people in your life that can pour into you, that you can learn from. A disciple is just simply a learner, and that you can also teach. No, I can't do that. That doesn't really fit, Jesus, sorry. Uh, or, you know, I learned early on that people need to understand God's word. So I started teaching Bible studies as a college student in the dorms of UCSD. Like year after year after year in the dorms because those freshmen need Jesus, amen? <laughs> uh, so I, t- I learned how to teach God's word. Uh, I also learned that people need to hear the, the good news, the story of God. And so I learned, and it was so hard. It's not easy for anybody. How do I sh- open up and share the story of God in my own life and invite people into the redeeming love of God, do, do I know how to do that? Do, am, I, am, I, am I doing that and practicing that behavior? No one wants to do that unless you love Jesus. Well, I mean, anyways, so unless God's love is really full in your heart, I mean, then it just naturally happens. I learned early on that Jesus, his heart is, a big part of his heart is for the poor and the suffering and the hurting, the widow, the orphan, the refugee. God, his, he wants the people of God to actually step into these things and not just care about it from a distance. And so early on, like every summer, every summer, for years, I went overseas and and worked with orphans and all these things. And it's not even that. It's like just, it's more heart posture towards how we view each other, right, in the world. I believe that our vision in following Jesus is too small. I believe it's too self-focused often. And I believe that that's part of the reason and part of the problem that we're stuck in this empty cycle of behavior patterns that really are not living out the way of Jesus. You see, on the Sermon on the Mount, I think it's Matthew 5, in that teaching, Jesus declares something that we can own. It's, you can own this in your identity. Jesus says, you followers of Jesus, you are the light of the world. Boom. Jesus is like, I'm the light of the world, but guess what? You too are the light of the world. Now go shine. And that happens as we put 
the words and the life of Jesus into action. We become light in this world, and it's amazing what God does in and through us, in our own lives, but beyond us for the glory of God. So what is your offensive and defensive strategy? I want to get really practical. Two things I want, two actions I want you to consider. I don't actually want you to do them. That's a joke. No, I really want you to consider doing these things. Two things to consider, a defensive and an offensive strategy. Number one, defensive strategy. Join a connect group. Join a connect group. This is like the bunker. Yeah, a little moment. Uh, This is like the bunker from the war that we're facing. Every day we're out there fighting battles and fighting wars. Your connect group is a place where you can experience healing and get prayed for and learn like the strategies of Jesus, how to go out and love the world. We need each other. It is like this defensive place where we come and be restored. And then number two is your offensive strategy. Join a ministry team. Join a ministry team. Jesus took off, floated away, about 33 years old. And he said, all right, church, you're not just a building. You're the continuation of me. You are the body of Jesus Christ. I'm in charge. I'm the head. And you just all together in unity go and just do what I did in the world. And this community, the body of Christ, us, who we are, we are meant to be Jesus in North Park and in this neighborhood. And when you join a ministry team and you welcome people into this place as a greeter, what up, greeters? With a joy in the hospitality of Christ, you are the light of Christ for people. When you are, let me think of another team, down over there with the kids, teaching the, the next generation about Jesus, you're pouring into them. When you're hanging out with the youth, mentoring them, walking with them through all the things that they're going through, you're you're doing the work of Jesus. Last Sunday, sitting right there in that seat, my son, my 10-year-old son is sitting right next to me. And we had talked about it a little, a little bit before, but the service was just about to begin. And I said, Luke, you want to learn how to run a camera on the production team? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, It's like three services, bro, son. It's like 8, 9, 30, and 11. <laughs> you want to do it? Yeah. Okay, right now? Yeah. Okay, let's go. So we just got up and went up to the camera, and Matt Thomas, who, run, who like runs the production team, he taught my 10-year-old how the iris works and how to zoom and how to like, like not screw it up. And he, and he just got placed on the schedule for next Sunday, right, Chelsea? I mean, a 10-year-old. Now, I've told him a number of times, Luke, when you are pointing that camera, you need to know something. There are hundreds of people behind that lens that are experiencing and learning about Jesus. As you point that, you're pointing people to Jesus. What an amazing thing for a 10-year-old. And I, have, I don't know what else God is going to do through joining that team. But as we join these things, we go on the offensive and work, join with Jesus in his work. I, we need to join in the mission of God. All right. Imagine what God can do to retrofit your life if, when we declare war and negative actions and join with Jesus in the mission of God. If you're ready to declare war on actions, and there's some specific ones in mind, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can talk to Jesus right now. Let's bow our heads and pray.
First, I want to read a verse with your eyes closed. Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. See, we're talking a lot about actions and doing things with God. But you need to know something. If you are not a Christian, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you have never said yes to believing in God, you don't, there's nothing you've done that can earn it or deserve it. There's nothing you have done that makes you disqualified from it. It has nothing to do with your actions. Salvation, the gift of eternal life, forgiveness from God, having restored relationship with God has everything to do with the work of Jesus on the cross for you. So that by simple faith, believing in Jesus, that he is who he said he is, that you receive forgiveness and you become a child of God, born again into the family of God. And if you want that, you can say, Jesus, you know, if it's anything like me, it's, it comes from a place of brokenness and just despair and before God. And you can say, God, God, if you forgive me, I, if you love me, I love you, God. I, I receive you into my life. Come into my life. Thank you, God. Teach me what it means to follow you, to love you. I want to give everything that I have. There's nothing off limits to you, God. It's, I'm all yours. For anyone here who has a specific area that you want to declare war on, God, teach them your plan of attack, Jesus. God, may they put down the white flag and pick up the victory flag and say, Jesus, I'm ready to take this thing on with you. We're going to declare victory in this area of my life. God, show me a place, a space to be supported, to do this with others, God. Thank you, God, that you are for me, you love me, and I'm ready for a new, just a new season of life. In Jesus' name, amen.